Can Justin Fields become a better quarterback by going back to the bench after Andy Dalton recovers from his injury? With David Montgomery out for at least four weeks, which practice squad running back should jump back to the Bears game day roster? And after one play, Akeem Hicks injured his groin, and is it time now for his fans to realize that perhaps his tenure with Chicago is about to end? Those are three of the 10 questions I'll ask our debaters in episode four of the Bear Debate. Victory to talk about V I C T O R Y. It is so good to do this show after a win. See if the guys are in a good mood. Let me introduce them. Let's start off with Tyler Ellis. Tyler, how are you, brother? I'm amazing, brother, even when I'm not. But <laughs> what's going on, Bears Nation? We got a W, so it's definitely something to celebrate for sure. Yeah, and it's nice to wear that jersey with Kilo and Mac back in prime time form, huh? Once again, once again, back to back weeks with multiple sacks. I mean, well, not multiple, but like a sack each of each, each of the weeks, and then him and Quinn together. Yeah. So a big, very big deal. Yeah, very nice. All right, let's bring in our next debater. His name is John Buffon. John, how are you, brother? Look at him bobbing and weaving. Uh, I'm in a great mood. The Bears won. I'm still a little pissed off, but I'm in, I'm in a good mood. I'm ready to talk about my favorite thing in the world, the Chicago Bears, with two of my best friends here. Let's do it. All right. Uh, why don't we uh, start things off with our very first question and get right into it. This is round number one. Okay. Round one. Justin Fields started his first NFL game and the results were very encouraging. Statistically, he was only 11 of 17 and did not have a passing touchdown, but he completed multiple explosive plays, including four via the pass. Take a look at these four plays, gentlemen, because I want you to pick which one of these four is your favorite uh, uh, explosive play, the 21-yarder to Mooney, or perhaps the 64-yarder to Mooney, or maybe it was this 28-yarder to A-Rob, or was it the 32-yarder? The to Mooney, which of the this is the A Rob one? I got a little ahead of myself because I'm so excited. And this is the one to Mooney in the third quarter. Now, which one of these four did you like best? And I'll start with you, Tyler. You got 30 of the 60 seconds allotted. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pick the um the 28 yarder to Mooney on the corner route. I wish you would have did the Allen Robinson one the last minute of the third quarter. That was challenged. That mm -hmm. one was phenomenal. But it was down to the ball placement. At the, at the end of the day, an NFL quarterback should be able to hit an open receiver. You know what I mean? But to, to but to place it on his shoulder on the sideline, the one to Mooney in the red zone was absolutely phenomenal. He had another one just like that at the end of the third quarter with a minute left. Oh, it's got to be the 64-yarder, Tyler to Mooney. We've been yearning for a quarterback that can throw the ball deep for years. Maybe Jay Cutler was the last one that had that kind of an arm, but Fields delivered that ball to Mooney, hit him right on the money. Money, Mooney, explosive plays, something the Bears have not had. Whether from scheme or from talent is a different question, but knowing you have a guy that can provide 
quick strike points is a feeling we have not had in Chicago for a long time. Keep chucking it down the field, young man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It was interesting because in Cleveland, he had Darnell Mooney open down the middle. And I think the play was slightly different, but it was great to see him spot that open receiver down the middle of the field. And we know that Ohio at Ohio State, that's what he would do is hit those long, explosive plays. And the, the running game had some explosive plays, too. So, Tyler, I ask you, are you uh, how surprised are you that this Bears offense, even if it was against the Detroit Lions, had a multiple explosive uh, plays, whether it was pass or run? I mean, let's just get it out here. Let's just, let's just break the... Somebody else is calling the plays. Let's just, uh-huh. let's, just, let's, just, let's, just, let's just talk about the main thing in the room now. <laughs> Who's calling this game? Because mm-hmm. it ain't Matt Nagy. I don't mm-hmm. care what you talking about. I didn't listen to the press conference. I don't need to listen. Because, John, guys, Bears Nation, Barflies, thank you for spending your time with us. I'm going to stay true to what I said last week. This game doesn't get Matt Nagy off the hook. Can, no. he, can he stay consistent? Somebody else is caught in the plays, but it was very great to see that somebody is being competent. The Bears almost had 200 yards total rushing. What do you think? Oh, my gosh, David Montgomery, over 23 attempts after being taken out the game. I mean, so to have 23 attempts and missing portion of the game, that's a very big deal. And so somebody came in there committed. Somebody gave just somebody decided let's give Justin Fields some time to throw the ball. Let's give him a, let's give him an open receiver, like a total opposite from the from, from from his start. And so it was awesome to see. It was impressive, and it was just the first building block. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to disagree with Tyler if it gives me an opportunity to pile on Matt Nagy a little bit. Uh, that that was a really good game plan of keeping protection for for Justin Fields, also feeding it feeding your stud of a running back. Now I know that we're going to talk about his uh, future in a little bit, but the to be able to have that game plan where you utilize the talents of your quarterback and your running back, and you kind of craft a game plan around the talent. I know that seems like a novel idea, but it's something that we have not seen for quite some time. So, yes, I love the game plan of seeing this is what we have. How do we maximize that potential? All right. That's round one. So you know how this show works. Those of you attending the first for the first time, the bear debate works exactly that way. I come up with a question and then John or, or, or Tyler has 30 seconds to respond. And then the other 30 seconds belongs to the other debater. And then afterwards we talk a little bit about it. So let's move on now to round. All right. Round two it is. And uh, we all heard Matt Nagy's very defensive comments when asked who was calling the offensive plays. For those who may not have heard them, I've got a little clip of him after the game answering the question about play calling and who was doing it. Yeah, so in regards to the play calling, uh, Bill did a great job, you know, and and I think that, uh, you know, at the same point in time, it's important that we understand that uh, I had to – I felt good out there as a head coach, and that's real, you know. Um, but we all get together. We talk through um, how we're going to – call the game and we do that when when I'm when I'm calling plays too you know what I mean us as a staff we get together and and um so I th- okay enough I can't take it okay okay, okay. <laughs> like like bro it should have been over Bill did a great job next question as soon as he said I mean what are you talking about are you are you 
I never and that, save that, it for that, the round, Tyler. Save it for the round. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. He says he will not answer any more questions on this topic. Perhaps he thinks it's a competitive advantage. Gentlemen, do you find this response acceptable or absurd? We'll begin with you, John. <laughs> You can claim gamesmanship and hide behind that all you want. This is a wounded ego lashing out and screaming, look at me, look at me, I'm important too. They had to drag it out of him that Bill Lazor was calling plays against the Lions. He didn't want anyone to think that the Bears could score points without his magic touch. The Bears won and he still pissed us off. Why does that happen? He had to keep reminding everyone that he's the head coach and everything runs through him. Well, he better get that in while he can because I don't know how much longer that's actually going to be true the mark of a the mark of a good leader the mark of a head coach is to ride the coattail of a good defensive coordinator and an office coordinator so what you might lose him in the offseason but so what i never had matt Nagy seal so much ego like that before because that wasn't the question it's not about when you call him plays it was great that he admitted it i i knew it was bill i didn't need him to tell me i knew i knew it was bill already and so you know what bro it's okay the bears won it's you know it is interesting that, yeah, the Bears won and there's still this tension in the room because he just couldn't, like you said, prior to me asking the question, Tyler, he should have just said, Bill, call the plays. Next question. That, that's it. I mean, why does he need to pontificate and, and kind of pat himself on the back? Tyler, do you think he's an egomaniac? It's, it's really weird because of a man that I have a lot of respect for in terms of, like, he builds up players, he builds up people. It's just very, very weird to hear him say that, to make it about him. That goes against every leadership book out there. Dr. Jackson, Dr. John C. Maxwell, like, bro, what are you talking about? It's okay to shine a light on your team. It's okay to do that. It's less pressure on you, bro. It's mm -hmm. like, like, relax. Hey, like if you could, you see, he could have said, "You know what? I made a decision to make Bill Carter plays." Okay, good job, Matt Nagy. You give you hand it over. That that is just very funny and silly. But he should he's not going to get fired because the offensive coordinator did a good job. Yeah, John, do you think that he's he's kind of a narcissist or an egomaniac? No, I think that he's grasping now to try to legitimize himself because he's he's failed he failed at the one thing that he wants to be the best at. So he he's trying to keep legitimizing himself. Like you have to keep me around because look, I have the final say. I told Bill he could call plays. I signed off on the offensive game plan. I do this. I do that. Because what else do you bring to the table at this point? Your, your, your time management and your, your other skills are still leave something to be desired. So what do you actually bring to the table? Are, 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 do you still are, do you still have that locker room? Do guys mm -hmm. still want to play really hard for you? I don't know. But if you have to go out and tell people why you're important, then you're not that important. That's, and, and, and that's silly, guys, because like the head coach is like, hey, guys, we're going to win a Super Bowl. We're going to we're, we're going to win a playoff game. It isn't like like, oh, my gosh, you don't. Hey, you don't care who gets the credit. You, you, it's amazing what you can get done when you don't care who gets the credit. Mm -hmm. And that's the mark of somebody in that type of position. It's reminiscent of uh, the Cody Parkey situation when he went on to the Today Show after the double doink. 
And uh, Matt Nagy then said, that's not a we thing. That's a me thing or something like that. And, and, and it's re the reason why Parkey didn't come back, at least part of the reason that that was given. And so it, it just seems like it's totally against his philosophy as a head coach. But uh, with that, we will move on to round number three. Let me get my cue point here. And there it is. All right, round three. Nagy again stated that Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback when he's healthy. Given what you've seen of Justin Fields, do you think that he could benefit from watching the 11-year veteran Dalton play, or do you believe Coach Nagy simply thinks Dalton can do a better job of running the offense, his offense, and therefore win games? Tyler, you're up first. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it like this. Andy Dalton would do a good job because he's not calling the plays. I think Andy Dalton is a competent quarterback in the NFL. And if he's healthy, if he can, if his ankles can move, he can avoid pressure. At the same time, Justin Fields is learning pocket presence. It's a very big, it doesn't matter how fast you are. If you don't have pocket presence, you're going to take a sack. We saw Justin backed up in the end zone. Thank God that wasn't a safety. And so Justin is taking some hits. But that, that those are those rookie humps that you take. Long story short, any, anybody's better without Nagy. Like, it's really hard to debate this one. It would be asinine to put Andy Dalton back in. For what? Your rookie quarterback just had a great game and you want to stifle his progression? Mess up the chemistry he has that with his teammates? Take away his first team reps? How does that benefit anybody except for Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton's not going to be on this team next year. Justin Fields is going to be on this team. There is a different type of electricity when he's on the field. This is just another smartest guy in the room, Matt Nagyism. Smartest guy in the room, Matt Nagyism. Yeah, it does seem that way. Um, JT has a question. Now that oh, that's not the one I wanted. JT, it's this one. How long before Nagy takes the play calling back, though? What say you, John? <laughs> Uh, look, they're coming up on a tough schedule, and that would be the perfect scapegoat for Matt Nagy. See, I told you Bill couldn't call plays. We lost to the Buccaneers. We lost to the 49ers. We lost to uh, the Packers. Look, I told you Bill couldn't do this. I got to take plays back over. All it's going to take is for one little slip up, and he say, listen, I gave you a shot. You couldn't get it done. Give me the give me the give me the Denny's menu back. We're, go we're going we're going back at it. So he's he look, he did it once before. They played. They played really well with laser calling plays last year, and he's he couldn't he couldn't help himself. He needs to be the reason. He has to be the reason. So he's gonna he's gonna wait until they they start slipping up, and then I would not be surprised if they have a hybrid calling system or they have some kind of system where Matt Nagy once again gets to enforce his will on the play calling. Karen says, I may be wrong, but I don't recall any other Bears head coaches being as outwardly insecure as Nagy. What say you, Tyler? She's right. I mean, <laughs> I got to say that Mark Trustman went through that kind of period of insecurity. You know, he was a little ugly there. Yeah. But I don't think he was like lashing out, be like, guys, seriously, I'm really smart. Like, he, well, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Like, it was like you Matt could tell. Yeah, you could tell that he was insecure just from his body language, but he, he wasn't trying to like tell you at the press conference, like, guys, I'm really important to this team. Listen. Mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, I really had a big part of this win today. Let me tell you what I did. Like th that's basically what we're what we're getting now. I'm and telling gentlemen, you, gentlemen, it's something that's just curious to me. Ryan Pace should be stepping in. 
His job is his job should be on the line. If Matt Nagy is carrying on like this, that's telling me Ryan Pace feels so secure in his job. Mm-hmm. That means they're not worried about wins and W's. That's what that's where does Ryan Pace have a Twitter account? This is an information age. These are the things that I need to know because I'll write them. I'll I will do it. Because, <laughs> we ask burners. And, and, and so like because if Matt Nagy, if he's gonna base his his ego off the wins and W's, like I'm gonna lose to make a point type stuff, that type of crap. Then you then you shouldn't really be here. Right. You shouldn't really be here. Like, right. I, like, do, is it for you or is it for the team? If Blazer is better for the team, bro, to come on, it doesn't mean Blazer's the head coach. It's okay. It, it's like you can be the head coach. Well, and maybe that's what he's worried about is that if a Laser continues calling the plays and the team has success, then perhaps he feels like he's being castrated and that the Bears might eventually make the move to Bill Laser as a head coach. I don't know. I'm just speculating. No. But, I, I mean, but, but, but like I had the, just because you call good plays don't mean that you were a leader of 5396 personnel. Mm-hmm. You know how to design plays. Just do stay in your line, stay in your lane respectfully. Like right. in the medical field, your scope of practice, like you're good over here. You see what I'm saying? Like you, you, you don't have to venture off. Not if it's going to be a deficit to the team. And do John, you, it was think, go ahead, John. I was going to say, do you think Bruce Arians medals in every little thing with, with the Buccaneers? Does Mike Tomlin medal with every little thing in, with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Does Belichick, well, maybe Belichick does, but, but do you have, you have some of these head coaches where their job is to be the head coach. They are overseers, they are delegators, and they put people in the right position to do the job. Your job as the head coach is not to be the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the special teams coordinator, the water boy, the masseuse. Your job is to be the head coach and put the right people in the right positions and know how to delegate and know how to run a system and be a leader for everybody. It's not to do every job is to make sure everyone is doing their job. Mm-hmm. Right. It was very, it was very telling after uh, the game when Justin Fields met the media and he was asked about the play calling and he credited Bill Lazor and said that Matt Nagy gets too excitable sometimes to call plays because he's worried about the defense and special teams and right. the whole organization. And he preferred uh, he, um, so to speak, he preferred the more calm nature of Bill Lazor. Very, very interesting, right, guys? That's very telling. Yep. Uh, Ryan Pace, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ryan Pace was like, wow, like, okay, okay mm-hmm. here. And yep. good for a rookie. Good for a rookie to be able to say that because that's most of uh, very ballsy. Uh, no, no that, that shows you, that also shows you the confidence that Justin Fields has in himself. Be like, hey, I know what I'm capable of. I'll do my job. You do yours. There right. you go. All right, round four. All right, there was uh, some bad news that came out of Sunday's game, and that was the loss of David Montgomery. And we learned today he will be out at least a month. Backup Damian Williams, who also suffered a quad injury, but it's not expected to be serious, should be playing and should take the, the first stringer snaps. But should rookie Khalil Herbert be forced to take starter reps or second string reps? Do you think veterans like Ryan Nall or Artavius Pierce, both of them currently on the practice squad, should be equal to snaps to a guy like Herbert? Or do you think that it should be Damian Williams and Herbert all the way? John, I'll start with you. 
Uh, I say you let Herbert run, even if Damian Williams can go. I think Herbert should get a lot of snaps anyway. Uh, I, I think this kid's a smooth runner, and he's an all-around back. He may not provide a lot as far as pass protection goes, but he, get the ball in his hands. He's built real sturdy, 5'9", 212 pounds, uh, and he appears to be a real decisive runner. He finds the lane, he finds the running, uh, the, the hole, and he kind of just attacks it. He's not going to be Barry Sanders, but he can be a guy who just kind of chugs down the field. And I think the Bears might have the same idea because they, they traded for that guy from the, the the Dolphins today, I think he's going to be the returner so Herbert can step into a more prominent role. John, I think you make a great point right there because the fact that Herbert was on kickoff return where your blocks aren't ready, like certified, but the fact that Herbert can get some really a, a, a block that he knows, he'll run through that thing and he, he can really just get north really quick. I like Williams if his quad is healthy and everything. And I'm going to make a case for Ryan Nall. John, I'm going to make a case for anybody that, that leg presses 500 pounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> get, my, get my man the rock. I, Ryan Nall all the way. But um, Herbert, sorry, guy, I'm going to go over. <laughs> Her, Herbert Williams was taking it bacon. Williams was like, whoop, whoop. Yep. I saw a couple. Remember, what was that guy back in the day on ESPN? Whoop. Oh, Chris <laughs> Herman, yeah. Yeah. He had a couple of those moments. I saw it. Yeah. And that was the, the the big concern, of course, when you put a rookie at that running back is, is he going to be adept at picking up blitzes and protecting the quarterback? So fortunately, let's hope Damian uh, uh, Williams is going to be fine and uh, because he should be handling the bulk of those uh, instances where the running back is going to need uh, to help with the pass blocking. And given this offensive line, could be a lot of plays. This Raiders defensive line is much better than the Lions. So that should be really interesting and something to keep an eye on. I'll just I'll say one thing, Aldo. Um, any anybody in my fantasy leagues, Damian Williams sucks. Don't pick him up because I'm gonna pick him up. <laughs> so I'm saying start Herbert. Go go with Herbert. I'm gonna go with Damian yeah. Williams. <laughs> yeah, Damian is a hot commodity right now on uh, fantasy circles all right let's move into the last question of the first half question uh, round five i just say our final question of the first half back to the subject of play calling surely the offense saw better play calling sunday than in the last three weeks the defense under sean desai has been substantially better in play calling than last season under chuck pagano so tyler I'm going to have you take one side of the argument, and John, you take the other side of the argument. Tyler, I want you to make the case for the offense to get the barroom award for best play calling in Sunday's game versus the Lions. And then, John, in the final 30 seconds of this round, you make the case for the defense getting the barroom award for play calling. So go ahead, uh, Mr. Tyler Ellis, take it away. The Bears' offense was well designed to take advantage of the DBs in their man, in their man press coverage, and even in their zone. Darnell Mooney was like running free; he was literally running open. He had, he was open by like 10, 15 yards, and I feel like the Bears' offense was seen very greatly to get to take, to take advantage of that. Also, um, using the the threat of Justin Fields on fake runs with Justin, and then it was David Montgomery, Damian running off, and so I feel like the Bears did a great job of deception. Open by deception. 
Oh, uh, you tried, but it's got to be the defense, Luke, because that's what's kept them in the game so far. One offensive day against the winless Lions doesn't win you awards. Hell, it doesn't even guarantee that you keep your job. Sean Desai got absolutely worked in week one against the Rams, and since then, he has made the adjustments needed to get this defense back to a high level. I know it's crazy to think that a Bears coach would adjust something, but he did, and it's working. 14 sacks in the last three games. That needs to be brought up a little bit more often. The defense gets the nod for me. Let yeah. the record show I was given the topic. I, was <laughs> <laughs> I did my – I'm just a it lawyer. I, I got paid to do a job. I did my job. <laughs> so would you have picked the defense, Tyler? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what, absolutely. All those scripts, all, yeah. the, all those scripts, I mean, the lines was in our red zone and, mm -hmm. like, was walking up with zero points. That was a big deal. When you're holding a team down, that's still mm -hmm. Jared Goff. That, mm -hmm. is, that is still Jared Goff who was shaking and begging. still an NFL team. So for the Bears defense, Khalil Mack, I thought Khalil Mack was going to run that football back. And then Eddie Jackson, I was like, yo, but you see when, they, when you when you when you run it, you can't get your legs. You're trying to get your legs going. The defense <laughs> is just like even Duke Shelley, somebody that I was very hard on early in the season. I know I think we might talk about him later. But, <laughs> but, the, but the defense, yeah, totally. Sean Desai should be the head coach. What about you, John? You were assigned the defense. Do you really believe the defense should get the award for best? Oh, hell football? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're the, they're the reason that they were competitive for the first few weeks. Outside, listen, they, they had a good offensive scheme against the Lions, and if they keep that up, then the, the tide could turn. But the defense is what look, they are maximizing. They have a pass rush, which is something that Chuck Pagano had a little bit of a, a tough time getting them to really – gel last year they have the most sacks in the nfl with 15 they lead the league in sacks that's why you pay two defensive ends like that or i should say outside linebackers that's why you pay mac and robert quinn that much to lead the league in sacks so sean Desai is finally maximizing that potential yeah he looks like he's already going to be a good candidate for a head coaching job uh, somewhere, maybe in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a very, and I mean very quick break. I want everyone to be aware of the swag shop that the Barroom Network runs. So take a look at this. Hey, everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get T-shirts. You can get caps. You can get coffee mugs. You can get hoodies. You can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. All right, we are back for the second half of the Bear Debate. You guys all warmed up and ready for uh, the second half of action? Let's yes, go. All right. So uh, this is round six. <laughs> um, we begin the second half by uh, with this question. Linebacker Alec Ogletree played a super game Sunday, just super. He led the team in tackles, had a huge tipped pass in the end zone, and really looked good as a partner to Roquan Smith. John, we'll begin with you. Danny Trevathan, he had a solid preseason. I saw I, at Family Fest, I saw him. He actually looked explosive in some of the drills that they were running. But by the time that of that last preseason game when he had the interception and he ran out of bounds, he started to look like Brian Erlacher in his last season. So, but he is expected back soon. 
So I'm asking you, both of you guys, what is the likelihood of seeing Ogletree remain the starter when Danny Trevathan comes back? John, go ahead. I think you're going to see a phase-in process for Danny Trevathan. Ogletree, like you said, is filling in admirably, and he might be a little quicker than Danny T. Now, I don't really want to see either one of them in coverage, but uh, Ogletree might be a step quicker. Uh, If Ogletree was awful, then you might be more inclined to get Trevathan back in there, regardless of if he's 100% or not. Uh, But you don't need to do that. I think even when Trevathan is healthy, there will be some sort of time split or timeshare. It keeps uh, Trevathan healthy, and you have two guys that can play the inside backer position. You don't need to force him right back into that starting lineup. When it comes to playing championship defense, I don't I don't think the pressure is not so much about who starts. It's because defense, you're phasing in and out the entire game. At the end of the day, Danny Trevathan coming in with the like almost halftime of the season is like golden for him because he'll have better endurance throughout the course of the season. And so whether Alex is starting or Danny's starting, I don't want to see either one of them in coverage, but I know <laughs> Ogletree is a better threat in terms of interceptions. That's what he does. He intercepts the ball. But in terms of, but he's been, he's filled in, I'm going to go over. He's been filling admirably um, since they've been gone. This is with a run game because even when guys are catching balls over the middle, we're closing it fast. We're closing it fast. Like it, we're getting more third and shorts on defense rather than teams converting on those second downs. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm liking very much. So with Danny coming in, I just hope Danny's fresh. And he can be able to give a little bit more. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if they if they share snaps. So what? Just win the game. There you go. All right. Let's move on to round number seven. Robert Quinn continues to look like he is back at his prime. After the game, he shared that last year he had a tough time not only on the field, but off the field. He said he spoke with close friends and family and sought spiritual advice, and he's at a good place now. I was wrong about Robert Quinn. I thought he was done, that we were beginning to witness the decline of his playing career, but clearly he's not on decline. He is playing really well. But should we give Sean Desai a lot of the credit for Quinn's return to prime time? Tyler, you begin. I, I, I will give Coach Desai credit for being able to communicate with his players. That's really dope. I mean, obviously there was a disconnect there, but I want to give more the credit to um to, to to the player himself because when you block out negativity, we talked about this the other day, and you are spiritually sound, you feel like Neo. Like this is how I feel, and so like when you are spiritually sound and you don't let like other forces like taint your image or taint your energy and you have a high self-image, you perform admirably in every aspect of life. Is this what happens he's playing football? Sorry, John. No, you're good. Desai should get some credit, but he ain't the one making Robert Quinn's first step look like that, and he's also not the one making Robert Quinn get off the edge like that. Uh, Look, I said Robert Quinn was a bounce-back candidate uh, at the beginning of the year, and he's already exceeded those expectations. Maybe there really was something to him not having a full offseason last year. Maybe he really needed to get accustomed to the Chicago Bear 3-4 offense. Maybe he needed maybe he really was banged up last year. Either way, I applaud him for not just securing the contract and then piecing out all the all the respect in the world for him stepping up. Yeah, John, I was at the game and I read uh, one of your tweets uh, saying that Robert Quinn was getting off the line of scrimmage in a super explosive way. And it was interesting because during the warmups, I saw him, you guys work out a lot more than I ever have in my life. But he was doing those uh, uh, walking, like bending down on a knee and then 
taking a step for, forward, bending down on the other knee and taking a step forward. But he was doing it so quickly and with, with such agility. I was like shocked. And uh, the guy is in phenomenal shape and he's in a good place spiritually and his head. So that is great to see. I just can't wait to see more of that. And hopefully he can c continue it for a full season without injury interruption or anything like that. It's exciting to see him and Khalil Mack together, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And one one thing real quickly, I've had I've had ankle injuries before and you can be as strong as you want. But if your ankles are bad, you really can't move as fast. You're good on contact. But what making him dangerous right now, we're talking about two point five seconds and he's getting around the corner. And it's exciting because I'm thinking it's a fumble every time. I'm like, he got him. He got him. And, but he so he's getting but his ankles healed. Remember, he, he, he came in and banged up and but he still played. He could have sat out last year, but he didn't. And so I think he never really – he came in leading Dallas Cowboys in sacks that previous year with 8.5 or something like that. And so – but then he played. He was banged up. I just feel like he never really got healthy. Then the, the head stuff, because he his, his pride was hurt. He took a big contract, Chicago Bears fans. Like, <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, he probably, he probably needed therapy too. Like, man, I, they, they, they saying I suck. But I was good in Dallas. What's going on? Talk to me, therapist. Talk to me, Dr. Phil. And so ankle's good. His heart is good. He, like, he's unstoppable. And, and, and Khalil Mack. And so, but once again, Sean Desai for creating confusion. Because sometimes they're on the same field. And it, all those different things. I think it all plays a factor coming together very nicely. John? Yeah, to, to, yeah, to your point, Tyler, uh, an ankle injury and his position is all about getting the angle and all about going around the edge. So you're constantly putting torque on that ankle coming around an edge. You're planting off of it. You're trying to cut through. So, yeah, that could play a part of it. Uh, I, I honestly just think that him not having a full offseason with the Chicago Bears, him not really being in integrated into that culture until he was thrown out there and being hurt, that it was stacked against him. And, you know, and I, you can say that Chicago Bears fans aren't exactly the most understanding when someone's underperforming. And so throw that on top of everything. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I get it. And I, I just think it's a bigger story that, he didn't just say, I'm getting paid anyway, whatever. Because a lot of guys would, a lot of guys who had that season last year would have been like, whatever, I'm getting paid. Uh, I'll, I'll go out there. I'll try to do my job, but whatever. He's pushed himself to get back to that level because he's not playing for, I don't, he's not really playing for another contract. Maybe he's playing not to get cut, but he is, but he is, but he's playing up to try to earn that money. And I, that you can't, you can't ask for anything more than that. And one last thing, guys. Von Miller was Von Miller because of, like John just said, the angle on his ankle. That's why Von Miller was a sack every other rep because he was able to bend so yeah. well. And that was and that was the ankle to John's point. Mm -hmm. All right, we're moving on. Okay, um, Duke Shelley. Boy, oh boy, was I so pleased with what I saw at Soldier Field. He had his best game as a Chicago Bear. He made a couple of big plays. Now, he wasn't perfect, but I think he took a big step forward. What is your confidence level that he will continue to improve and be the slot corner this team desperately needs and has not had since Bryce Callahan? John, you begin, please. 
Uh, I have a feeling I'm not going to be nearly as positive as Tyler is about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that I, I'm happy, but I'm not super confident. I hate downplaying anyone's performance, but the Lions receiving core isn't exactly potent. I, I don't think Vegas is very deep either, so I can see him having another solid game. But this will certainly be a concern against teams that have deep wide receiving cores or elite quarterbacks. Uh, so Tampa Bay, they have both. Green Bay, we, we know about them. Uh, even the Arizona Cardinals, same thing. I'm not panicked about it because we saw that he can play. I'm not really content with it either. I think these small little victories of him making these one, two good plays, stacking up is building his confidence. And the fact that we can get a win, is like, it's adding to his confidence of being, all I want him to do is be in position. He's in position. Don't get beat by five and seven yards. Like, bro, where were you? But the fact that he's getting a hand on the ball on crucial downs, that's very, very awesome. When Duke Shelley was like drafted, I was very high on him to like be like an MVP or something because I like his physical make. I like his, I like his attributes. And so, yeah. And so hopefully it continues. It'd be super dope to have somebody physical. Just don't go up against, it's not fair to put him against Devontae Adams in a slot. It's just that, that thing just kind of just put his career. He's working back up from that. Yeah. So, well, it does seem like the is going to have Jalen Johnson trail uh, the uh, opposing team's best wide receiver. It's what he's done in the last couple of games. And so if he continues that, then we won't have to worry about Shelly being matched up against the other team's premier wide receiver. So that should be good. John, you know, I, I, where is your confidence level with the defensive backfield as a whole? Is it trending up? Is it you, you still want to see how they do against the Raiders and some of the other teams with more explosive wide receivers? Uh, before I answer that, just let it be known that I'm concerned about Duke Shelley and Tyler has him as the MVP of the league. So, uh, just, just, so just, let's just get that out there. Uh, but but um, a lot of this will have to do with, like like you said, the scheme and whether Desai is going to move guys around. And I, I'm, I think it's moderately trending up. I'm I'm happy with what we see out of Kendall Vildor. Love what we see out of Jalen Johnson. And Duke Shelley's putting in solid performance. If, if he was getting roasted by the Lions, I, my panic level would be at 10. But I think Desai does a good job at scheming who's on who and uh, and coverages. So um, moderately trending up. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Not to mention. Like we've said before, the pass rush is getting home. So those guys do not have to cover as long as they have in previous seasons. Uh, because once again, you have you have 15 sacks on the year. You're not you're you're not asking those guys to stay on their man that long. Well, it was interesting after the game when when Quinn was uh talking about you know his personal issues last year, but he also answered one question. He says, You don't get sacks in this league if you don't have good defensive backs really doing a good job of covering their receivers because, you know, the quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly. You need the entire uh, team to help you get a sack. So that was kind of an interesting point. And so hopefully the defensive backfield will continue to improve and the sacks will really, really start to rein in. And I saw Stephen Mee in the, in the chat room say that the Bears lead the NFL in sacks. And so uh, that is great news. Let's keep that going. All right. All right. Moving on to round nine. Okay. Akeem Hicks left Sunday's game with a groin injury. In 2019, Hicks missed 11 games, but he came back and started 15 games last season. We know that when Hicks is healthy, he's one of the best defensive linemen in football. We know he desperately wants to retire as a Chicago Bear, but the soon-to-be 32-year-old appears to be slowing down. 
Tyler, you lead this round and tell me how concerned are you that Akeem Hicks's run with the Bears is coming to an end? I mean, hopefully it doesn't. I mean, because it's hard to get good veteran leadership like that. I mean, I do feel like the Bears should use a second round or a third round on the offensive line or the defensive line for sure. But at the end of the day, he's he's, he's very competent when he's in there. He still demands double coverage, and he's not afraid to run. He's not lazy. He's not Albert Hainsworth. Far from it. And so, like, at the end of the day, keep, keep the man around. Like, he, he is a Chicago Bear. And I will look for him to retire as a bear. You got to take care of your players, Ryan Pace. As much as I hate to say it, I think he's gone next year. I, I thought he was going to be traded before the season. And, and like you said, he is going to be 32 and he's constantly banged up now. Now, he is a leader on the team and he is one of those guys that gets people ready to run through a brick wall. I love Akeem Hicks, but I think his contract's done after this season and a decision on bringing him back will greatly depend on who the general manager is next year and who the head coach is next year. A new GM is not going to be emotionally attached to Akeem Hicks, and neither is a new head coach. So there's a lot of different uh, things that can to consider. But, but then at the same time, John, it's like I always think about Seattle when they won a the Super Bowl. They had nobody paid over like 45 snaps. I don't. I know we want the super starter, but sometimes it's good to have that guy coming for relief. So even if Hicks is going down downhill, I think to your point, I think it depends on – does does Hicks want starter like your 25 money or are you going to well, take yeah. like 32 money? Because if you're willing to, to negotiate, that's a phenomenal excuse me resource to have if you're a team trying to go to the playoffs. Because if Hicks leaves, that's a hole you got to feel. Yeah. That's a hole. That guy doesn't have experience. That doesn't like it's a whole other ball game. Whoever we bring in here, are they going to demand a double team? We don't have Eddie Goldman. We need, we need to think about life without Eddie Goldman. So now Hicks and Goldman gone. We're going well, to get Eddie played Sunday and a whole but, but, but you never know. But you just never know how yeah. he's going to feel. You okay. just never know. We're talking and, about next and, and to you and to your point you know like about the money, if Akeem Hicks really wants to retire as a bear, he might have to take lower money to do that. And mm -hmm. and if some if another team is offering higher money for him to come in on a one-year deal or something like that, how much do you really want to retire as a bear? Is it worth Three million? Is it worth four million? Is no, it you worth? Gotta, you gotta respect the man. What's the what's the going no. rate for? What's the going rate for 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 a D tackle? Well, hey, right now I think he's making like twelve million this year, and okay. so if, 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 if Jimmy Graham can get eight million, he can get eight million. Oh, well, look how well that's working out. Hey, so <laughs> hey, we won. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm he's not, not getting no, used. No debate. No debate. <laughs> yeah, no debate. That's, no debate. A, that's a that's a hell of a price to pay for a locker room guy. So the GM. So the GM says, "Hey, we're gonna invest some money into our offensive line." The good, that's what I'm saying. Do you want to get paid? Do you want to win a Super Bowl? That's what I love about the players that pay for the Patriots. You see what I'm saying? It's like, mm -hmm. do you want to go get paid? Cool, go get paid. You want to be a part of something special. I know it's a business. I know it's a business. Well, are the Bears something special right now? Is that, is that where is that where are the Bears are the Bears or the Patriots? Are they worth taking a pay cut for? I don't know. I don't know, John. <laughs> <laughs> Brian has a really good point. He says we need to. Uh, make do with less spending on the defense and more on the offense to put explosive receivers around fields. We have to pull out of the old D first bear mentality. Modern NFL runs differently. That That is a, a good point because a, a lot of the salary uh, 
cap has gone towards the defense. There's been a, a big disparity. The money that you've paid for Quinn and Mac and some of the other players, and now you got Roquan Smith who's going to demand big money and so forth. But now you really need to spend money on offensive linemen and explosive wide receivers because the draft picks, you know, we're trading away draft picks. We traded one today. So it's going to be hard to find those players if you don't pay for them. Put money, put yeah. money on the offensive line. Put money – like we, we got to take advantage now. Dallas Cowboys were at their playoff best when Dak Prescott and Zeke were on rookie rookie contracts. And that's when you pay both lines of the ball. Okay, because we can't forget the defense because that's not how the NFL works. Because you want to score 50. We can we can barely score now. We can we have talent on the offensive line. We have talent. Allen Robinson is a stud. Darnell Mooney is a stud. We still got David Montgomery on a first year contract. Fields is on a rookie deal. We need money to the offensive line, yes. But like, don't abandon the defense. That's just silly because we still got to. That's just silly because we don't have high draft picks. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, real quick, mm-hmm. I I tend to agree with the, and I'm a defensive guy, but I tend to agree with the comment just because you look at what happens whenever those high profile, high price defensive guys aren't playing up. There was a time when Robert Quinn wasn't playing up to his contract and Khalil Mack wasn't playing up to his contract. Eddie Jackson, not playing up to his contract. Akeem Hicks, although great when he's on the field, can't stay on the field sometimes. And you have all of this money invested on the one side of the ball. And then you see what happens on the offensive side of the ball. So there needs to be a fundamental shift in saying we can't have our five or our four highest paid players be defensive guys. And that's what it has been for the, for the, for the last few years. So you got to, if you want, if you're going to keep Allen Robinson, you're going to have to pay him. And guess what you're going to have to do? Maybe let one of your high defensive players go. You can't, we can't, we can't, pay $100 million contracts on this side of the ball and $100 million contracts on this side of the ball. That's just not how the NFL economics work. So if you're, if you, I've been saying this for years now, I think Bears fans are brainwashed into thinking that we have to have a top five defense in order to compete in this league. And just because the offenses have always been so putrid that you think, oh man, if we don't have the best offense, if we don't have the best defense in the league, we're not going to make the playoffs. That's not how it works. Well, you look, yeah, you can have totally. a middle of the road defense. And if your offense is worth a damn, you can still make the playoffs and be a really good team. The, the, the Chiefs have a really bad really bad defense right now and, and they're not playing as well as they can be but people still expect them to make a big run in the playoffs why because they got Patrick Mahomes they got Tyreek Hill and they got Travis Kelsey uh, so you you gotta you you gotta understand we gotta be able to maybe shift the paradigm a little bit shift the culture a little bit where it says we don't need 500 million dollars wrapped up in the defense let's invest in the offense a little bit offensive line I'm with you John let's invest let's I'll agree to balance a little bit more balance offensive line we don't have to pay Justin Fields right now we will have to pay him we will have to pay him eventually. But the New England Patriots had new wide receivers every single year. People took in less money to go play with the Patriots because of a system. So let's invest into the head coach first. Let's put the, let's put the money in the head coach. Because you could play – what if you pay money the offensive line and Nagy's coaching the offensive line? What's the, what's the point of the money? If we, don't, if we don't go to playoffs. Yeah. Um, Stephen Mee says, we're just four games into the season, guys. Can't we just enjoy bear this season without thinking about who's leaving next year? No, I've been looking at, I've been looking at mock drafts for the last two weeks. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We're always thinking about the future because we want long-term success here in Chicago and we want multiple Super Bowls. So 
you know, this is an aging roster on the defense, and so there's some big issues coming, but it's there's no reason why we shouldn't celebrate uh, victories, but also talk a little bit about, you know, what's going to go on next season. So let's move over into our final round, round 10. All right, last time the Bears played the Raiders, they were embarrassed in London. They were outcoached. They were out-hustled. They were outplayed from a physical standpoint, too. Do you think the Raiders are a better team than the Bears? John, we begin this final round with you. Uh, short answer, yeah. Yeah, I think they are a better team. I, I don't think the Raiders are an elite team, but right now they have a lot of advantages over the Bears, and I'm just talking from an offensive standpoint. Uh, Derek Carr is better than Andy Dalton. Whether Andy Dalton's going to play or not, that's yet to be determined. Uh, without Montgomery, the Raiders have a better run game with Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, even Peyton Barber. Uh, they have a big advantage at tight end with Darren Waller. Uh, the, the, the offensive line is kind of a mixed bag. I'll call that a push, but overall, they're a better coach team. I said it last week. The Bears are at a, coach, a coaching disadvantage in almost every game for the rest of the year. I hope if we win this game, <laughs> if we, I, I, I got a feeling we're going to win this game. I, I'm sorry to go off topic, but I was just going through it all because the J Jacobs isn't back all the way. Jacobs isn't back all the way, and those DBs are give are giving up space to our receivers. And I feel like if we could play a somewhat similar game like we did like this past weekend, the Bears could come out on top of this. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're. I hope you're right. It, the, the game will be one. We did get embarrassed last time. It was the the the, the, the Raiders' off, offensive line walked through our defensive line in London. It was very very embarrassing. But I feel like we have more um, moxie, if you will, right now coming into this game. And I feel like guys are trying to live up to snuff and everything. And so. Um, for some reason, I feel like we're going to win unless Nagy's is calling the plays for the offense. There you go. There's 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 the X factor. Who's calling plays every week by week? And now now he's not even going to answer any questions about it, so he can take back play calling abilities and not have to answer any questions because he told everybody he's not going to talk, talk about, about that. That's what I'm disturbed about. Because what are you talking about? So who the hell are you accountable to? What are you talking about? No don't 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 come over here and talk about you. Not so, you, so wait a minute, coach. This is why I need to be in there. Aldo, give me a pass. Get in there. So I said, Coach, so are you telling us you're not trying to be transparent about the position that you're that you're holding tight? Wait a minute. You're in a position of leadership and you want to be held accountable for the losses of your team. We're only asking because we won't we don't want the team to suffer. These young men are trusting you with their NFL careers, and you're telling us you don't want to be asked about it. So who so who so who are you accountable to, coach? That's the thing, though, Tyler. It's to a point now where no one even trusts the coach to do the right thing. So the reason they have to keep asking, the reason they have to keep asking is because they just feel like he's going to change his mind on a whim because he needs to do it. He needs to be the guy. If they, if they were transparent or if he was transparent from the start and he was decisive and he made the decision, no one would be no one would keep harping on this. But you right. know what? When you talk for 50 minutes and don't say a damn thing and you, you just keep serving just vats and vats of word soup and you see the transcripts where it's not even a complete sentence it's just a bunch of commas and ands and ums and here where we're at when you read the transcripts if you're not if you're just feeding that bullcrap to everybody every week then they're gonna keep grilling you on it if you were if you were accountable and you actually made a decision and you made the right decision from the get-go maybe you wouldn't have to go out in front of everybody and say i'm not going to answer these questions anymore I just, and, and with all due respect i'm just not going to answer it. who the hell are you you, you, you honestly who, uh, what cachet does Matt Nagy have in this kind of league where he can start bullying what who he's going to answer and what he's not going to answer? Right. He hasn't done a damn thing in this league. 
Coach of the year in his first year, thanks to the 2018 Bears defense. Congratulations. Mr. Biscuit, baby. Mr. Biscuit, yeah. baby. <laughs> says that the Raiders are coming off a, a short week, so maybe we can steal one. But to have to travel west and play them in their new stadium after a tough loss that they had, that Raiders had, I just don't know. And that was part of the problem two years ago. The Raiders left to London on Monday, and the Bears didn't go until Thursday or Friday. They kept their regular travel schedule, and that's perhaps why the Bears looked so lackluster in that game. They Five looked, hour difference. yeah, they looked like they had Excellent. you know suffered from jet lag. So uh, that one, that loss was much more on Matt Nagy than anyone or uh, anything else, in my opinion. Um, something something real quick, Aldo, and I'm going to bring this up on Buffon 55 tomorrow when we have uh, your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast. I'm going to ask him this question, but I want to get your input. I want to get both of your inputs on this. Uh, is Vegas – and now we saw that the L.A. Chargers don't have a home field advantage at all. That, that was basically a Raider game on Monday night. But I, I, I want to ask because I really don't know. Because every time you hear about, oh, we play Vegas this year in Vegas, all of the fans say, okay, road trip. We're going to Vegas to watch our team. We, we saw Bears Twitter as soon as the schedule was released saying, got the tickets to Vegas. We're going to Vegas this weekend. Is Vegas really uh, a home field advantage? Because it's a destination point. Maybe there aren't a lot of native Las Vegas uh, residents there. And it's just people who happen to be in the area at the time. Much like anything else in Las Vegas, you show up and you just see what's playing that week. You just see what's playing that week. And maybe I'll go see a show because it's playing that week, or I'll go there because this event's going on. Is a Las Vegas Raider game actually a big home field advantage? And if it is, great for them. Uh, I, I, I honestly just don't know because I, maybe, maybe, maybe because they haven't been around long enough. I think I don't want to hear your thoughts too. I think it won't become a home field advantage until the Raiders win there. It's when the Raiders like win a playoff game there, like. Like the, whoever lives there, when they, as those teenagers grow, whoever's in high school right now in Vegas, those kids, if the Raiders are winning now, it's, it's up to that generation. Right now, if they're, if they're losing, they're not. It's not, not going to be a home advantage. But the, the kids that are in high school, college, in that time frame right now, over the next couple of years, it will develop. But right now, it's kind of up for grabs. Like you said, it's a huge tourist attraction. And Bears Nation, we do travel very well. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, in week one, the opening Monday night game, I believe, was in Las Vegas. And it was against, I want to say it was the Steelers. No, it was against the Ravens. And the Raiders won 33-27 to uh, in overtime. And it's that game certainly had the feel of home field advantage for the Raiders because they were basically, it was the first time fans were allowed into that stadium. But I agree that it is. there's going to be a lot of games where the road team is going to sound as loud as the home team in that venue, and it could be that could be the case on Sunday because I think a lot of Chicago Bears fans are going to be there. And and when does the novelty wear off? Like Tyler said, if they're not a if they're not a powerhouse in the NFL, much like what we see with uh you know like the Miami Heat or anyone else, if they're not if they're not a championship caliber roster, there's a lot of other stuff to do in Vegas. So uh, if if you're not if you're not constantly uh, you know winning, then I don't know how many native Las Vegas residents are going to be like I'm sticking with this team. I don't care if they're three and ten. I'm going to no. You're going to be at the Mirage playing the slots. You're going to go. You're going to go see uh, Blue Man Group or whatever they do in Vegas. So I don't. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, I will say that there 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 probably is a, a good amount of 
Oakland residents and LA residents who still, you know, care a lot about the uh, to care about the Raiders, uh, whether or not they whether or not they can afford to travel to every home game in Vegas is a different is a different is a different scenario though. So uh, I don't know. It, I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because like you said, although that first game was great, but it was the novelty of the stadiums open up. Everybody wants to get have that hot ticket item. Uh, sure. But if there's something else going on there and the Raiders aren't playing up to snuff, it could, I don't want to say it's going to be as bad as chargers game because that's pathetic. Every, every home chargers game is pathetic that they, 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 they that moving relocating to LA was a terrible idea. I, well, Maybe from a financial standpoint, they're making money uh, hand over fist by moving to LA into the bigger market or whatever they're doing there. Uh, but from an optics point of view, it looks terrible. It looks like no one's a Chargers fan. I hate Who's that. Charge over there? Is Mayock still in charge over there? With uh, what, Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, he's the GM. Mayock is the GM, yeah. yeah so they go, they go, I mean, just like the Bears should, the GM is good. The GM is going to have to make some decisions. to mm-hmm. keep. You know You're going to have to go get that, you know what I'm saying, that those names those names and so they they the, the front office has to follow through on a decision you can't just go to a place like that and just like okay let's just see what happens the the, the, the front office have to follow through with names and the draft and everything i think i get some wins and everything all right gentlemen great job you guys went 10 rounds it was close it's going to the cards we won't know who won this battle between tyler ellis and john buffon for a while but uh, i know that we are all the winner listening to you guys express your opinions tyler why don't you tell us what you're working on and give some shout outs to whoever you desire um just really want to give a shout out to the bar room i mean this i, I truly love this show like tuesday nights has become like i feel like it's my game night and um, this is like my pre-workout before I have some business meetings and I go to the gym later on. But um, I truly love chopping up with, I truly feel like you guys are the best co-hosts that I could ever have. It's, this is truly, this doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work when you enjoy what you do. And um, especially with like, it's not work because you watch the game, you know the Bears. And so it's like, yo, we can talk about it. So I just really appreciate everybody in the chat coming to check us out. So shout out to all the Barflies, Bear Nation that come to check us out. We do appreciate it. This is a brand new show, and it will be ongoing. Buffon Fifty Five is the, is the has the lineage of the five years running, <laughs> and it's a phenomenal show. I don't know how John does it. Come on, yo, he still got a voice. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> he is superhuman. So shout out to my man John, and I'm um, just um John. Make sure we give our, our Instagram information. You guys can follow us on Twitter at the Games Report. You can follow me on Freedom underscore Gains on Instagram. And if you about and if you about that crypto life, you can follow me. I'm at Crypto. Crypto fit underscore as well. And so we're talking about gains in every aspect of life and um, peace, loving gains. And I'm just, I'm just thinking about Sunday. Hopefully we get a good W and check out um, two, um Fantasy Goon, Fantasy Goon and the Barfly Tailgate Show. And I know, John, you're going to drop a couple of the shows. Absolutely. I uh, appreciate everybody on this show and everyone at the Barroom Network. I love doing this show. This is so much fun. And like Tyler said, uh, by, by the time uh, Buffon 55 is over on Wednesday, I my throat is just shot because <laughs> there's just a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of ranting. But uh, yeah, a lot of good programming coming up on the Barroom Network. I'll do my show tomorrow, Buffon 55. We're talking to your boy Q, who does the Locked on Raiders podcast. We're going to break down the Raiders, see what advantages the, the uh, Bears can capitalize on going into this matchup what they should be expecting see if they can pull out a win in vegas obviously there's a lot of other programming here we got mike north on thursday greg gabriel i believe just uh, dropped his show yesterday although not accordingly if they if he did absolutely all right and then uh and also danny shimon doing the bear truth breaking down some tape uh really good breakdown of what the bears did right what they did wrong uh and then of course you get all three of us directly after the game 
their football raw emotion. I believe it's a later kickoff on uh, this Sunday, uh, 425 on the East Coast, 325 if you're on that Central lifestyle. Uh, but that's a, that's a really good, uh, really great raw emotional show. It may not have a lot of X's and O's to it, but we're going to be speaking your language. We're going to be speaking for you. It'll definitely be, uh, you know, an interaction between fans and us on the barroom. So once again, thank you to everybody who tuned into this show and any show on the barroom network. I love doing this. I, I leave I leave every show with a, a little bit of an energy high, a little bit of an adrenaline rush. So I, I appreciate any everyone and anyone who's ever listened to this show, whether it's your first time or 50th time. Appreciate you. All right. You guys are great. Again, uh, just uh, another quick reminder. In less than an hour, Dan Aguirre and myself will be here for Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. And just a word of warning, it is an R-rated show. So put the kids to bed or turn us off. But uh, we hope you'll stick around and uh, listen to some of our tales from going to Soldier Field and witnessing the uh, Bears beat up Don Burr's Lions. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.